Welcome. You are listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's better to hear it live, this is the place to catch the latest sermon, conversation, and select program. If you like what you're hearing or want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get a notification for our next episode. Enjoy and see you in shul. Welcome to Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast, where we take conversations that are of urgency and relevancy to the Jewish people, to people in general, to the Park Avenue Synagogue, and we bring it to this podcast, which sounds great at this speed or even at one and a half speed, and you can do it in less time. We have a fabulous guest today. Fabulous, not because I know him or I'm friends with him, but I feel that I know him because he's a landsman. He's from Glasgow. Um, Glasgow, Scotland is where my grandfather served with pride um, as the spiritual leader, the senior rabbi of the Garnet Hill Synagogue in Glasgow, Scotland. I never actually knew my grandfather. Um, he died just as I was entering into the world. But if I was ever in the therapist couch, one could make the point, and it wouldn't be the wrong point, that my rabbinic career is an extended effort to know the man I never knew. Um, he was a congregational rabbi until the day of his death, um, and um, and uh, a name that is still spoken uh, with affection by those who knew him uh, during his leadership of the Garnet Hill Synagogue. All of which is to say I'm very excited to have a Glaswegian Jew, um, Ben Freeman, uh, join us today in the podcast. Ben is one of the brightest, most exciting voices uh, in the Jewish uh, pride movement. He's actually the founder of the modern Jewish pride movement. He is a Jewish leader, a Jewish thinker, and a Jewish educator. Um, ben Freeman is the author of Jewish Pride, Rebuilding a People and Reclaiming Our Story, The Pursuit of Jewish Pride. He is an internationally renowned gay Jewish author, an educator focusing on Jewish identity and historical and contemporary Jew hatred. He is a Holocaust scholar for over 15 years. Ben came to prominence during the Corbin labor Jew hate crisis and quickly became one of his generation's leading Jewish thinkers and voices against anti-Jewish racism. Ben, welcome to Park Avenue Synagogue Podcasts. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled, really. It's amazing to speak to you, particularly our, with our connection. I, I, I know, I know. We should have a, a, a can of iron brew here. Yes. The two of us can uh, sip and reminisce about haggis and yes. other, uh, other Scottish, uh, or maybe we should both have a single malt uh, here. Yes. Um, well, you grew up in Glasgow. I did. Yeah, I grew up in Glasgow and I lived there actually the vast majority of my life. So I'm 20, I'm 30, not 20. That's being very generous to myself. I'm 36 now and I only really left when I was 27. So I went to school there, I studied there and I worked there at the beginning of my career. Wow. You went to University of Glasgow? Yeah, I went to the University of Glasgow and it was kind of a rude awakening. Uh, that's where my, my father went and now I have a nephew who's there. Ah, it's very, it's a good school. What I will say is, you know, I studied politics. And I think people are now more familiar with the Jew hatred which exists in the humanities on campus. It was not necessarily something that my parents and I were 
really aware of because the conversation was very different. So I had a very, I had a rude awakening at Glasgow dealing with kind of Jew hatred from the left and, and how it focuses on Israel. But it's still a beautiful university despite that. Well, let's just dive right in because uh, I could speak to you all about Scottish Jewry, which I'm happy to pivot if, if you want to, but your, your uh, leadership uh, for our people right now is, is specifically on your, your efforts uh, of anti-Semitism, internalized anti-Jewishness. Um, you're, you're making a name for yourself. You're one of the bright stars on the scene. So tell me, um, what, what's the story of, what, was it encountering anti-Semitism uh, in the university setting? Was it in the Corbyn uh, Labor Party? We all remember that dark chapter, arguably. You know, what, 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 what's a, the, the story of Ben Freeman and his ri meteoric rise to prominence? So, I mean, there's two journeys which took place simultaneously. One is my journey to LGBTQ plus pride. And that is something I began as a teenager and it, that journey lasted about 10 years. And it was in that journey that I kind of understood the framework of what one needs to utilize when pursuing pride and how powerful pride can be. And then with regards to my Jewish journey, I was always raised as a proud Jew, but I wouldn't necessarily have phrased it like that. It was just the dominant part of my identity. I was always very aware that as a Jew growing up in Glasgow, that I belonged to kind of a different specific community. Certainly university, as I said, was a rude awakening. But really, this, this journey, the journey came together with Corbyn, as you kind of suggested. And it was during that that I saw two things. Well, maybe first of all, I should say who Jeremy Corbyn was. So Jeremy Corbyn was the former leader of the British Labour Party. He was the leader of the opposition for five years in the UK. And he is a racist. He is a classic leftist Jew hater. And he was not able to identify his own anti-Jewishness because he was on the left. He saw himself as an anti-racist and immune to all of the kind of uh, prejudices, which no one is immune to, right? Either the left or the right. So he unleashed kind of a tsunami of Jew hatred in the UK. And I think arguably around the world and the Jewish community did two things. And this is what I observed. The first thing the Jewish community did was come together, which is kind of extraordinary, right? Because we have two Jews, 15 opinions. This was a community that loves to argue coming together and really, for the most part, speaking with one voice, which was very inspiring. There were also at the same time some high profile left wing Jews who couldn't quite call Corbyn what he was, who couldn't, who couldn't quite label it. And I kind of identified in that in that observation that they were lacking something that I think that maybe they felt some shame, which led me to reflect on my own journey with regards to internalized homophobia, my path to LGBTQ plus pride. And I just realized that we as Jews deserve a pride movement. You know, there's gay pride, there's black pride, there's Asian pride, there should be Jewish pride. There's so much beauty, there's so much joy in our Jewishness. And often we see our identities being defined via the other, via the non-Jewish world. And I wanted people to come to Pride and to say very loudly and clearly that I'm proud of being a Jew and that they would see their Jewishness as a source of pride and never shame. So let me peel away at that onion because you, you are part of multiple communities and you, the Jewish community, the LGBT community. What, what explain, and you're a Scottish Jew, which I, probably your lived experience is very different. And as a minority, you're, you're sort of triply marginalized or doubly, I don't know how many, but 
Um, what can the Jewish community learn from the uh, gay pride community? And how, how does the both external and internal um, elements function? Uh, what, where are they the same? Where are they different between the gay community and the Jewish community? Because they're both marginalized communities on sure. a level. I think I will start with the differences. I think one of the major differences is that we as Jews are actually advantaged in a sense because we're, for the most part, not everyone, of course, but for the vast majority of us, we're born into Jewish families, which means we're kind of born into a community. We're born into a story. As an LGBTQ plus person, I had to kind of seek that out. So that was a, a difference and that presents its own challenges. I think that something the Jewish community can learn from the LGBTQ plus community is confidence, is taking up space. I think as Jews, we're often told, don't center yourself. Even in conversations about the Holocaust, we're seeing it being de-Jewified, as I would say. And I think that we can learn to confidently take up space. And the other thing I'd say that we can learn is anger. Now, when I say anger, I'm not talking about us being consumed by anger, right? We're not consumed by Jew hatred. We are consumed with pride. But I think that anger is the, the, the idea that we know that we deserve better. If we refer to Stonewall, I mean, this is Park Avenue Synagogue, right? In New York City, if we refer to Stonewall, LGBTQ plus people fought back in 1969 because they knew that they deserved better. I'm not for one second suggesting Jews take to the street and where we engage in physical violence. What I'm talking about is an internal dialogue of we're being treated incorrectly. What is being done to us, what's being said about us, and what has been done and said about us for thousands of years is wrong, and we deserve better. And knowing that is quite an empowering thought, actually. It doesn't necessarily mean the, the pain or the negativity or the oppression goes away, but it means that we have a, almost a barrier to it, because we say, no, you're wrong. The Jew hate is your problem. It's not my problem. I'm a loud, proud Jew. I love being Jewish. And I'm going to understand that the way you're treating us is wrong. And I'm going to have feelings about it. We're not going to be consumed by it, right? I think that's really important. So why is that? Why, why do you think it is that Jews um, don't respond in the same way that uh, the gay community does or the black pride community does or other communities that sort of wear their identities very proudly on their sleeves, or or I, I guess I could challenge a thesis. I, I would like to think that I'm a, a proud Jew. Um, I, I think some of it, just because I'm a rabbi, I'll start answering my own question, is I think Jews are, are at least here on the Upper East Side. And this is why I'm fascinated, Ben, by your lived experience versus my lived experience, which might be very different, uh, that... Um, I think Jews, I think power has a lot to do with it, power and privilege. And I think on the one hand, uh, there is explicit, implicit anti-Semitism. The Holocaust is in the rearview mirror. Um, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the threat uh, against Israel from the Arab neighbors, um, you know, all of the, the, the reminders whether it's someone being punched in the face or, or something thrown in the glass. You know, it's a scary time uh, on a certain level in terms of anti-Semitism. On the other hand, it's never been as good to be a Jew. We have a strong, sovereign Jewish state. Yes. 
We have, um, we have, uh, you know, I'm living in a very privileged place on the Upper East Side. I, I don't think twice about wearing my yarmulke. I, I, I hold a position of pride in, and I, I think Jews are a little caught. Are we, are we privileged or are we oppressed? Oh, I think that's the, the, the conundrum. And I think you're right, particularly with the state of Israel. You know, when I speak to young people, when I'm teaching young people about the Holocaust, you know, a lot of them ask the question, could this happen again? And one of the things I say is, well, we have a country now. We have Israel that is a Jewish state and hopefully would protect us. But I also think Jews try very hard to be accepted, like a lot of different minorities. Some of these issues are not necessarily just specific to us. We see them in other experiences. But we, particularly in the West, try very hard to be accepted. And generally what we see is the goalposts being moved. So we continue to try. We, we try even harder. Um, and there is a real desperation to be accepted. And I think it makes sense. Of course there is, if you understand our experience. It's a, it's a survival technique. But I think that trends in the wider world have elicited certain responses from us. And really, I think a lot of it goes back to, with regards to our specific context, the 19th century and enlightenment. You know, the Western world said to Jews, come, be part of our modern nation states. But there was terms and conditions. And it wasn't come and be authentically you. Come and be a proud nation. Come and be someone who understands a dual identity. Judaism and Jewishness was was changed, it was warped to bring it in line with non-Jewish expectations. And I don't for one second judge the Jewish people who engaged in that. To me, the culprit in that story or the one to blame is the non-Jewish world who put those conditions on us. Because of course those people wanted to, again, survive. But what we've seen is that there has been a chipping away of Jewish identity from the outside. And we have to remember, and I think that this is something I try to respectfully, of course, but remind American Jews, yes, New York City may feel Jewish, but Jews are still a numerical minority in the United States, just as we are everywhere outside of Israel. And there's always a power dynamic that exists between the majority and the minority. Even if the minority kind of has a rarefied position as feeling powerful, feeling privileged. Um, and I think that we're still trying to be accepted. We're still trying to navigate a world. And I guess my thoughts are, we understand the terms of engagement, but we refuse to warp and change ourselves. We say, no, we will be part of your societies. We'll be part of America or Britain or wherever, but we're not going to engage in this warping and changing in order to be accepted. We will integrate, but we won't assimilate. So let me let me uh, make it more complicated. And you, you touched on Israel, and I want to go back to Israel. Because there are those who believe that young people's inability to be Zionist is an expression of sort of an internalized anti-Jewishness. Mm. And, and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, because someone could be a very proud Jew, be a very proud Zionist, and have criticisms of the Israeli government. And yet there are also, there's something deeply uncomfortable about speaking to a Gen Z or, or otherwise who is, um, whose, whose connection to Jewish sovereignty isn't, isn't part of who they are as a Jew. 
And I'm wondering if you could unpack that in your engagement with, with kids on campus and where you're teaching and otherwise. Absolutely. And, and what you said is, I 100% agree with. You can be a proud Zionist and still be very critical of the Israeli government. There are hundreds of thousands of Israelis who are Zionists, I would imagine, taking to the streets every weekend. So we have to kind of dispel the myth that to be a Zionist means you have to have a, a what's it called, a unconditional loyalty. No, we are allowed to question, we're allowed to criticize, absolutely. I would describe a Jew who is anti-Zionist as having internalized anti-Jewishness. And the reason I do that is because we have to understand the roots of that idea. Of course, we know that there was Jewish anti-Zionism pre-war, and we can have a discussion about that, but it's quite a separate thing. The anti-Zionism which exists today is rooted in post-war Soviet propaganda and post-war Arab propaganda, which was designed, it didn't just emerge, it was designed to demonize the state of Israel, to delegitimize it, and to frame it very purposefully as a white imperialist colonizer state. So Jeremy Corbyn, that was the rhetoric that he employed. And yes, we're seeing young Jewish people employ that rhetoric today. And the reason I believe that is, is partly I think that we've not done a very good job in terms of educating about Israel with nuance and really informing people that you can be a proud Zionist and criticize. I think there was a period where that was not necessarily uh, described in that way. But also there's huge social pressure. Again, these kids are a minority. So on campus, you kind of reference, the, there is a dominant culture on certain campuses, which is anti-Zionist. They have completely warped and bastardized Zionism. They've stolen it from us because it is a Jewish concept created by Jews for Jews. Non-Jewish people have stolen it from us. And because of the social pressure which exists, there are young Jews who have kind of acquiesced and they're not even necessarily aware that they're doing it because they might not necessarily have the knowledge required to counter those claims or those arguments. But they also, what we're seeing is young people want to be included, particularly on the left, right? I think that anti-Zionism is by and large a leftist phenomenon. We do see it a little bit on the right, but it's in the way that we're talking about now, it's leftist. And these are young Jewish people who care about social issues. They care about black civil rights, uh, women's rights, abortion rights. They care about all of these things. And they're also being told, well, to care about all of those things, you have to think that Israel doesn't have a right to exist or think that Israel's a colonizer state. And that's what they're kind of accepting. And it's a tragedy. And I, and so I they, don't, they've drunk your, 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 I, I don't know. I guess I would they drunk I the accept what you're saying and the, the, this notion that they've accepted the Kool-Aid and, and, and this has been, but I, I, I think that they're, I don't, I don't know if I would paint the entire sort of non-statist Jewish Gen Z community oh, as self-hating self or, or simply infected by the rhetoric of, you know, the, the, the Corbinites and their followers. I, I, think, I think that there's, as with everything, there's text here to be. Absolutely. Had. And I think that, again, you can, I, you can be a Gen Z Jew and be a Zionist and be very critical of Israel in a number of different ways. But I have to say, to be a Jew and to deny the state of Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state, that is an anti-Jewish idea. So it doesn't actually matter whether it's a Jew or non-Jew expressing it. The idea itself is anti-Jewish. It comes from very anti-Jewish 
context, not dissimilar to that of the Nazis. If we look at the core Soviet propaganda tools, were very similar to the Nazis, i.e. the learned protocols of the elders of Zion. So it's, and I think that this is part of the discussion. Of course, we will have a nuanced, complicated discussion if it's a Jewish person saying whatever someone might say. But we also have to be able to call it out in the same way that we would a non-Jewish person saying it. We have to, of course, have empathy. I don't blame the Gen Zers. I think I blame, as I said, I mentioned previously, I blame the wider world. I blame the left. I think that it's a betrayal which has taken place. And there are some Jewish people who are not able to withstand the pressure. And there's a huge amount of pressure. In my second book, I interviewed people who discussed that pressure. They said they felt right. pressurized to distance themselves from Jews, to reject Israel, to be accepted on the left. Yeah. So tell me, because you have one book, and I think you have another book coming out, and, and I don't think any, well, no one on my call list would quibble with the notion of Jewish pride, rebuilding a people, reclaiming our story. Um, sounds altogether terrific. <laughs> but what does it mean? Like, what, what are the steps that we'd, if you had a million dollars or a million pounds or 10, like, what do we need to do now, Ben? Mm. What, what's the action step? Action is number one, education. We have to root ourselves into education. We're the people of the book, and I believe that we've, we've kind of dropped the ball. And we're in danger because it only takes a couple of generations to disrupt a civilization through a lack of education. And education has to be for people of all ages. You know, we talk a lot about the youth, and I understand that, especially as a teacher, but everyone is is everyone should be able to interact with Jewish pride and feel Jewish pride. So it's education. And the second part is allowing people the space to explore their Jewishness in a way which fits them. So I see Jewishness as a buffet table. And I want to encourage all Jews to get up off their seats and go to the buffet table and give space for people to choose different things. You might choose Kneidlach, I might choose hummus. There's not right, it's not wrong. We're choosing different things because we're different people. And I do think that, you know, certain parts of our community have been a little prescriptive and it's not necessarily given people the freedom. Like these young Gen Zers, we want to say to them, you can be proudly Jewish, you can practice your Judaism, express your Jewishness in a way that you see fit, and you can be a Zionist and you can still criticize Israel and you can still believe that we have a right to exist. It's about giving space for our diversity and it also, I think, it's about having conversations. We have to look inside ourselves without shame and investigate our feelings with regards to our Jewishness. And I see a lot of people when I have this conversation, they say, well, I'm, I'm a proud Jew. And I say, I'm a proud Jew too. Literally every living member of my family lives in Israel. My brother served in the IDF. I did a gap year in Israel. I did advocacy for Israel. And I would still tell my non-Jewish friends, I'm Zionist, but... None of this is our fault. If Jews feel shame in, with regards to our Jewishness, it's not because we've done anything wrong. It's because we live in a predominantly anti-Jewish world, even if we feel like our little part of it is safe for us. The wider world generally is not. So we have to be able to look inside ourselves and have the difficult conversations without shame and without feeling, oh no, that's my experience, therefore I'm a bad Jew. I would say there's no good Jews, there's no bad Jews, there's Jews. And we're on a journey. It's not like... I have arrived at Jewish pride and therefore a tick, I'm done. No, it's something that we have to work at because it's a confidence issue. It's a self-esteem issue. But the first step is knowing our story. If we're reclaiming a story, we have to know the story we're reclaiming. 
And then we have to have the conversations with ourselves and our communities without shame. We should be having these conversations, I believe, from the pulpit. Let's talk about it. Let's heal together and let's live Jewish pride in the way that other communities live their pride movements. Ben Freeman, you're a good man. You're a good Scotsman. Um, and I cannot wait until we are sitting with a, a glass of single malt across the table from each other. Um, please, God, you'll be in New York and you'll come to speak to our community. And, uh, and I hope this is the first of a lifetime of conversations. Um, you have been listening to Ben Freeman, the author of Jewish Pride, Rebuilding a People, as well as Reclaiming Our Story, The Pursuit of Jewish Pride. Um, be on the lookout for Ben. Run, don't walk if you hear that he's speaking near you. And Ben, I wish you every success in all that you do. Thank you. You have been listening to Park Avenue Synagogue Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Synagogue Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about our community, check out PASYN.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah, Hallelujah.